Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hey there, I'm Carly Beth Rankin, and it's a pleasure to have you join me today. There's a spot at my table just for you. Now let's break bread together. Well, hey friend, I'm glad to have you join me again today. So far, we've witnessed Jesus as he formed unlikely relationships, outraged the religious officials, and continued teaching the multitudes of people. One event we are going to reveal today is the main question mark on the timeline I referred to in my introduction. The authors Matthew, Mark, and John all record the anointing we'll study today using different wording, which can raise questions as to when it actually occurred. Some scholars believe the event took place on Saturday when Jesus first arrived in Bethany. Others believe it may have happened on Tuesday or Wednesday before the Passover. The last Wednesday of Jesus' life has little to nothing written about it in Scripture. And that is why I am choosing to write about it as if it happened this day, so that we have something to reflect on as we continue following his last steps. And it is still very possible that the anointing we are about to witness did actually happen on this particular Wednesday many centuries ago. It took place in Bethany, the familiar village Jesus and his disciples had come to know well. It was there he'd raised Lazarus from his deathbed. It's where he'd already paused several times that week on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And that night, it's where he had been invited to a dinner in his honor. Jesus and his disciples entered the home of their host, Simon. Simon had been a leper once, abandoned by society and pronounced unclean. He lived in isolation with torn clothes and a covered face. But not since he met the man named Jesus. Now his skin was pure, his fellowship allowed, and his life made new. He now had the opportunity to welcome his healer into his own home. Jesus was enjoying the evening, surrounded by his disciples and friends. He reclined at the table with his, bed, his buddy Lazarus, who was unaware of the similar testimony they'd share just a few days later. While Lazarus' sister Martha served the guests, uh, man, that girl was always concerned with five-star hospitality, was she not? <laughs> Their sibling Mary was taking in the scene. Her brother, who'd recently taken occupancy in a grave for four days, was currently seen lounging at the dinner table full of life. Mary had been there when Jesus merely called to Lazarus' decaying body and saw Lazarus walk out of the tomb still wrapped in the strips of linen used for burial. The view she gazed at now was physically impossible, yet she was witnessing it with her own eyes. His laughter, his enjoyment, his chest rising and falling with each breath. Her praise couldn't be contained. She grabbed her alabaster jar and broke off the long neck, releasing the aroma of sweet nard into the room. She approached the chair that held her maker. As he was still sitting, she began to pour the perfume over his head. Glub, glub, glub. The fragrant oil poured out of the flask and ran down his face and clothes. The onlookers were stunned at the bold display. It wasn't because anointing was an unusual occurrence at feasts. They were actually pretty common. However, the particular ointment Mary chose was incredibly expensive. Okay, that's putting it mildly. The pint of pure nard perfume was worth the equivalent of about one year's salary. 
and there Mary was, draining the bottle dry. They continued to watch in dismay as Mary knelt at the feet of Jesus and poured out even more on the master's feet. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, couldn't hold in his outrage any longer. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? He asked, as if concerned for others in need, when in reality he was only concerned with himself. As keeper of the money bag, he occasionally helps himself to its contents. She just deprived him of an incredible fortune. When he objected, it prompted other disciples to join in his rebuke of her thoughtless gesture. And while they sat criticizing, Mary let her hair down and began to wipe Jesus' feet with it. She knew respectable women never unbound their hair in public. She knew the perfume cost her much, and she knew it was a servant's job to attend to a teacher's feet. And she did it anyway, no matter the cost, no matter the humiliation, no matter the judgment or contempt. She became completely undignified in submission to her king. Jesus understood that feeling all too well. He too had given up riches and glory. He silenced her critics. Leave her alone, he told them. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Judas listened as Jesus defended Mary's reckless waste. What could have been a whole year's wages was poured down the drain. Think about all the things he could have bought with that extra cash flow. His growing disdain opened a door to the enemy, and he made a decision. Judas went and found the desperate chief priests and officers of the temple guard who were scheming on how they could arrest Jesus and kill him secretly. Maybe they were running a bargain on betrayal. What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? Judas asked them, willing to trade his rabbi's life for more coins to clink. They offered 30 pieces of silver, the standard cost for a slave. Jesus was bought like a slave to pay the price for sin's enslavement. Judas made the deal and the plan was put in motion. He left the scene and returned back to the men he'd done life and ministry with, including the teacher who'd once invited him to join his team. When the timing presented itself, Judas was prepared to betray the man who formed his own life in the womb. He didn't have long to wait. God's timing was near. Uh, Lord, I am taken back at how you became completely undignified for each of us. You left your throne, riches, and glory to become fully human in a fallen world. Thank you. Thank you for humbling yourself for me. Help me to serve you with that same surrender, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That concludes Wednesday or what was more than likely Wednesday. Again, um, please don't come at me. <laughs> I'm not claiming uh, to know that's for sure when it happened. Um, I'm just doing what I felt led by the Spirit. And so that's what we did today. Uh, tomorrow is Thursday, and that will be the Lord's Supper and everything He shared during that time. It's a really, really sweet, sweet supper, sweet reflection. I'd love for you to join me tomorrow as we witness it. But until then, may God bless you and have a great day.